right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's March 5th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are going to roll through a pretty big NBA slate here. I got to tell you, it, this is a crazy one. Um, we're coming off. We're starting to get into that. I'm going to officially declare us into late season NBA. And it's a lot of games left for late season NBA. <laughs> but w- the reason I'm kind of saying this is because when you get late season NBA, yeah. specifically around the bad teams, but sometimes with the good ones too, you just get some weird stuff. I, like, Guys coming back from injuries, guys getting injured, teams that are fully in the tank, you know, unabashedly tanking even more. Um, and we're going to run through some of these games at, at this is seven, oh no, excuse me, East Coast, 850 East Coast time. And there's some teams I'm just going to, I might just throw my hands up when we get to them. <laughs> when we talk about them, we can roll through how exactly we're going to attack some of these teams because, but do you get like, do you get that feeling that we're getting? that this is where we're starting to get with the NBA, where it's just going to start getting a little bit weird, and then it just really doesn't improve on its weirdness as you get late, later and later in the NBA season. Yeah, and we're still, teams recognize that getting like being weird benefits them, yeah. right? Because especially the teams that are out of it, they're like Detroit's like, you know, we're only three losses. <laughs> Or two losses ahead of Cleveland, right? right? <laughs> so should we be playing? These and then guys wait till we get to Cleveland because Cleveland's or? like hold my beer on that one because <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're another one. They're like, oh, you're gonna get, oh, we're gonna see a lot of Siku uh, Diombo. Okay, how about uh, how about we just have four guys that play really all of our minutes <laughs> and like nobody else. We trade for Andre Drummond and don't really play them, like play him and. We have no center. Drummond guy's too good. Why would we put him on the it's court? It's just crazy. Uh, flying around. Uh, anyway, so we're going to get through it, but this is definitely, we're reaching this, we're reaching sort of like this NBA tipping point, I would say, where it's just going to, it's going to continue to get, you know, there'll be some nights that are going to be. These teams have 20 games left. They can't just like. No, no, I'm saying we're, get, I'm saying we're beginning, we're beginning to get to the point. I, like, I don't think, like, okay. we're not, we're not fully there. We're not to the last two weeks of the season where all bets are off. I'm not, that's, that's not the point. I'm just saying we're beginning the process now, I think, of. Where it's just gonna get it's gonna get darker before before the dawn, I, I think with with some of these teams, and right. and we'll, we'll definitely go through you know, sort of like what I'm referencing. Uh, I'm talking about some teams more than others when I when I talk about this. But let's roll game through, game through game. Uh, some of these teams, some and I think some of the DFS plays are gonna be kind of obvious, and then we'll talk about how some of these teams um, may, maybe not so much. The first game is Indiana goes in and plays Milwaukee. Not a ton of injury stuff here. Milwaukee fully healthy. And the only real news on Indiana, which I guess is important, is the you know whether or not Victor Oladipo is going to play. He did not play last game. Aaron Holiday got the start. But that being said, they're running into a Milwaukee team. They're 11-point underdogs. I'm not even sure if Oladipo mm-hmm. sat. We're getting tremendous value on a guy like Holiday, or we're getting you know we're, we're getting the requisite uptick on let's say usage for guys like T.J. Warren and Malcolm Brogdon. Except that on, on a big slate, this is not necessarily the situation I want to run those guys out there in cash to begin right. with. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know it's funny because on the surface you're like, oh hey, the Bucks going up against another playoff team. Like this one might be close enough. Like in the end, it's the five seed. The Bucks are 11 point favorites over the five seed. Right. <laughs> like it's just kind of. Kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so on one hand, you do have blowout risk. And on the other hand, both of these teams are tough matchups for opposing daily fantasy sports players. Indy right now, their only remotely plus matchup they offer is at center. And they are they make up for that by being a really terrible matchup for basically every other position, including uh, small forward. Although, like we've talked about in the past, Giannis is sort of that singular talent. Um, the only guy I guess I would even consider from Milwaukee 
probably is Giannis. Is he in play tonight? You know, I haven't looked at the slate as closely as you have just yet. I'm a, bad, I'm a bad example on Giannis because I cannot catch a break with this guy from DFS standpoint. The... I we I lose him in an overtime win over the Washington over the Wizards when we played him in cash. Still well, holding on to that one. That was that was a while ago. Okay, well, that was only five <laughs> games again for 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 the for the Bucks. Um, so we lose him on that one. The he plays a lot of minutes against Toronto, where I kind of like didn't want to do it because I, it's hard to project him for 38 minutes. And then last game. Well, then he gets called out by Harden. Or did you, I don't know if you saw these quotes, but Harden has a quote. Yeah, because it's so easy if you're saying. If you can just run a dunk. So after that game, he just goes, he's like, oh, let's see how easy this is. Just drops a 41 20 and 6 on the Hornets in 35 minutes. <laughs> and I felt pretty good about being aggressive on his minutes going to Miami. And then they, get, they lose, but not even in a blowout. For four minutes left, they were down by 12. And Coach Bud just takes the starters out and re- throws up the white flag. I couldn't believe it. Like, I, like lost like That's four too. minutes on this guy at the end of the game. So anyway, I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit shell shocked on my Giannis ownership right now. So I'm probably, I, I don't think he's probably the play tonight, um, just because it's a huge slate and there are some other and a bad matchup. And a bad matchup. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to go through my my trials and tribulations of rostering this guy in DFS. Sure, it, thank it you. Is not, it has not been, <laughs> it has not been a fun ride. Even though just watching him was fun, but man, just I just can't catch a break. Okay, the other game. At seven, another game at seven o'clock. Excuse me. What are we going to do with the Celtics here? The Celtics are coming off a crazy loss to Brooklyn. My Brooklyn Nets. Um, I, I officially entered Brooklyn Nets fandom. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, last night. Last night was my was the moment that I, I officially moved moved over into as a Brooklyn Nets oh, yeah. fan. But the Celtics are on the back to back. They're playing Cleveland. They are right now without Kemba Walker. He's not going to play on the back to back because he was out from injury. He's going to just not play tonight. Jason Tatum already been ruled out with an illness. Jalen Brown is doubtful. He got he left the game early last night with a hamstring issue, and then Gordon Hayward had a knee issue last night. That's four of the five starters, uh, and then Marcus Smart right. and Marcus Smart's questionable, <laughs> so because um, he might get suspended because he threw an absolute fit during the Nets game last night. The what do you want to even? Where do we even start with the Celtics? Uh, like this is a lot, this is all this is the whole team. The whole team's out. <laughs> like what do you what where do we even start with a like sort of trying to break down? Where, what we're looking at with these guys' minutes. Yeah, so I think you always start by doing sort of a last man standing sort of thing. So, like, if Smart were to play, for instance, I think you could instantly consider him. Uh, I think Daniel Tice, you know, he's shown flashes of paying this price already. Like, he's been pretty consistently a five to $6,000 player for the last several weeks, uh, basically ever since returning back from that two-game stint that he missed. And I think he could be in line both for more minutes, like or the upper end of his minutes, I guess I would say, because uh, we know that he can play as many as 39 minutes like he did against Houston, even if his normal rotation is more like 30. I don't think that Boston will want to just lose this game. I mean, they're right there in the hunt for that two seed. They're one game behind Toronto in the loss column and you know, still in sort of a dogfight uh, with Miami uh, and even Indiana and Philly. Like they're, they're, That's all a pretty, tight, a pretty tight web there. So I think Boston tries. And so I think if you can get their, their leftover starters, then you're in pretty good shape. Um, I'd say Cleveland also is a, a matchup that you could see someone like Enos Cantor being able to play a little bit more on, right? Uh, he's mostly the defensive liability when the other team goes small. And so, you know, Cleveland, not that small. I, I think he can they can hide him on a, a few of these guys and probably live. So those are the guys I would start with. And then, you know, paying attention to the starting lineup. Uh, we've seen some of these other guys from Boston be playable in the right spot. Uh, Brad Wanamaker comes to mind. He played 28 minutes against Brooklyn last game 
you know, sort of unexciting, but totally playable at 3,600, I'd say. Yeah, so it's good news that we're going to get the starting lineup early. Like, that's the like right. that's excellent because whoever starts here, I think you can be very aggressive with the minutes because they're just so, they're, they're so short on actual. I, I, actually, if I'm actually going down the list of available players right now, this is the list. I, th I believe it's just going to be smart, assuming he's able to play with the, and doesn't get suspended. Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, Cantor, Robert Williams, Brad Wanamaker, Carson Edwards, Javante Green, Romeo Langford. Like, that's going to be, what, eight, mm -hmm. seven, eight guys? Like, I think going, being very aggressive with their minutes um, is going to be probably the way to win out here. And they're all coming so cheap in a good matchup that there's going to be value here. So we'll keep an eye out for what the actual starting lineup is going to be. Uh, and on DraftKings, I mean, even right now, on just like moderate minutes, I'm, we're seeing guys like Javante, Javante Green and Grant Williams and Brad Wanamaker sort of like creep up around DraftKings now. So whenever that starting lineup comes out, we'll adjust accordingly in our system and you'll be able to, I, don't, I think, have a pretty good sense of like where the value is. On the Cleveland side, all right, Andre Drummond already been ruled out. Darius Garland already ruled out. Um, and then Tristan Thompson questionable. Last game, the Cleveland Cavs guys were at, were pretty chalk across the board. Sexton, uh, Porter, Love, and Nance because they were without Tristan Thompson here as well. Uh, do yeah. you, I mean, this we, we, we can right now throw out any defensive metric that we have on the Celtics. Right. And that's exactly where I okay. was going to begin. Because I, I think some people are going to look at this and they're going to say, you know, it's the Celtics, the defense versus position numbers are – pretty bad you know when you're going up against the Celtics I think they rank roughly bottom five in the league uh, in most positions but given that none of their actual good players will be playing or at least their strong defensive players I think you can absolutely roll back that strategy I mean both Sexton and Love were excellent in a really legitimately bad matchup against Utah uh, I think starting with them makes perfect sense and you know filling in complimentary pieces around them seems totally feasible. Six, Sexton, 5,700. It was pretty chalky last time out. He played 39 minutes. Um, he took a ton of shots. I think that he's, yeah. he's just a flat-out good play, uh, no matter what. I, totally. like, I think, How about Kevin Porter? You like yeah, Kevin Porter was another one that was Porter was another one that was pretty chalk. Like, these are guys actually, too. And the good thing about Porter, specifically Porter and uh, Sexton in this scenario with the Tristan Thompson, is like Tristan Thompson's availability does not affect them at all right like that's like more like Tristan Thompson is more of the, of the you know what do we do with Larry Nance category um yeah, but yeah. in terms of the guard play and like sort of like the wing play I think we can put these guys like 38 minutes each or something like that like Porter and Sexton and feel really really good about it so um and like I said like you can we'll make it we make adjustments in our system based on this is to say like our typical defensive metrics aren't going to be the thing that we use for this game, right? <laughs> like this is just not they're playing. They're, they could be playing essentially a G League team. So um, I think I yeah. think the Cleveland guys uh, really across the board are good value, and we'll have to kind of wait to see um, what happens with the big men. Okay, another game that has some possible weirdness to it is OKC goes in and plays the Pistons. OKC seven and a half. Weirdly, I find this to be like maybe a little bit of a low line. The seven and a half point road favorites. Seven and a half points is a lot on the road, um, but the Pistons. They kind of have nobody now, too. Derrick Rose is out. Uh, Bruce Brown is out. I'm actually not even sure, like, who's going to play point guard for this team. <laughs> like, I have Langston Galloway uh, at a pretty aggressive minute level right now. Um, they just – Derek Walton they had, but his 10-day contract expired and they didn't re-sign him. Brandon Knight, 30 minutes, but he's been kind of garbage. Like, uh, what do you – how are we going to attack? But Svee Mackelia. Yeah, he's going to – He played 38 Yeah, he's one I have at, like, 35, 36 minutes right now. Um yeah. But in. I'm just not not sure. Like right now, we are on this team. So we're 20 minutes low. So we're going to come up with the minutes. But right now, we're 21 points low on their total. And the reason I mention this is because 
this is another one of these like late season adjustments when we get a, possibly a lot of minutes out of guys that have not really done anything this season, right? Or just had context around, like, you know, you share the court with Derrick Rose a lot, you're not going to take shots, right? Like that's, or, you know, the big guys mm. with Andre Drummond around, like that's a little bit different now. You know, how much do we want to manually adjust some of these guys to just try to fit in where all their points are going to come from. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, cause, cause yeah. this, is, this is a little different than the situations I was talking about before where I could probably – I can get 240 minutes out of this team. I'm not too worried about that. It's that I just can't – we're having trouble getting up to the 105 points. And what do we want to – this? and I'm mostly saying this because, like, this is another one of these late-season issues. Like, what, how do we want to attack the Pistons side of this thing? Yeah, so for fear of becoming a little too technical in terms of, you know, how our system handles on-court, off-court data and so on. Um, so for starters – you know, a primer for people that are out there. Basketball is, is a funny game compared to some others because while well, say someone like James Harden is going to be very, very efficient on his drives and ISOs and threes and so on, uh, and then you take someone who's only, and that makes him a superstar, right? Someone who's only good will be worse than Harden, but like the difference between shooting, I don't know, 40% from three and 35% from three, that's only 5%, right? So that's not really that much less. And so, you know, the Detroit will take out there and by the way Detroit starters just aren't very good anyway so it's not like it's not like they're losing Harden or Westbrook or one of these guys so when you take those guys off the court yeah their backups are probably going to be worse but they're not going to be 20 percent worse they're going to be like a few percent worse and uh, I think as far as our model is concerned we hope to take that into account now the next piece is that when it comes to on-court off-court data our system's pretty aggressive about regressing you know, usage bumps, for instance, yes. because especially for these teams that have, you know, huge usage consolidated into a few players, and Detroit isn't the, at the pinnacle of that, but, you know, they've had Drummond, they had Derrick Rose, um, and when you have guys that play big minutes, you can get really small sample sizes on some of these ancillary pieces. So what you don't want to do is say, oh, well, the data says that Seko Domboya gets a 40% usage bump when so-and-so is off the court, because... While that may have happened in a 34-minute sample, that's not what we can predict going forward. So basically what I'm saying is we can sort of manually go through and undo some of that you know, regression, and I think that will get us there eventually. But you know, it's just kind of a painstaking by-hand process that's not very fun. Yeah, <laughs> like I, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get it right. Brandon Knight's played 24 to 25 minutes, been decent at these numbers from a fantasy points perspective, uh, 24, 27, 26. He's, he's, but he's 4,800, so it's not exactly like he's coming cheap at this yeah. point. Um, I don't see him making the cut. Yeah, exactly, probably not. And then he's 45 on DraftKings, um, and it's hard to be super aggressive with these minutes too. Like, I, it's a little bad matchup, by the way. You know, like we already talked about, you're going to get a lot of options tonight, right? You're going to get Celtics, you're going to get Cavs against a beleaguered Celtics team. And at some point, you just don't need every single punt play on the board. And so given that OKC has just been just hellions on defense this season, just a terrible, terrible matchup, especially for opposing guards and people trying to bring the ball up the court, like you just might not see, you might see fairly cheap prices on these guys, but still not... Um, they're appearing in our optimal line. Uh, keep an eye out for Danilo Gallinari. He's been sitting some back-to-backs, uh, so and their OKC is on the back-to-back tonight. So uh, taking, you know, just keep an eye on that. Chris Paul too, um, just in terms of like you know these guys starting to get late season rest on back-to-back. So just keep an eye out. Luckily, we'll have all that news because it's the other seven o'clock game. Seven thirty, Utah goes in and plays the, my. I was gonna say my Knicks. I'm really rooting for the Knicks. I I, I just did a full breakdown yesterday through a text thread about um, that I was with a couple of buddies about the next season and 
because I bet they're over on their wins. And if you had just stripped out the Fisdale time and just look at their win extrapolation over just since they got Mike Miller, they easily hit the over. I just I just have so much hatred for David Fisdale at this point uh, about what he did with this team early on. Regardless, Utah, seven and a half point road favorites here against the Knicks. Not a ton of injury news looking down this list. Um, and Mitchell Robertson's questionable. Uh, they, they've been starting Mo Harkless. I, I think Robertson's been playing a lot of minutes. I just don't know if this is the matchup really for either team, especially with like a pretty fully healthy Utah team from a DFS perspective, I'm just not sure we're grabbing a ton of value, especially considering sort of how, how much injury news we've already talked about leading up to the slate. Yeah, I feel that. I think, you know, big slate, like we've said many, many times, um, you don't need to be trying to find a guy from every game. It's not like a little league tournament. So, you know, if, if it's a skip, it's a skip, and we can probably just slide on to the next one. Yeah, um, like I said, we'll, we'll keep keep an eye out to see if any of these Utah guys sit, but that's really not doesn't seem like it's going to be the yeah. case at this point. So um, I will have that news uh, in plenty of time. The other 7.30 game, Memphis goes in and plays my Nets. The Nets are coming off that crazy – they scored 51 points in the fourth quarter. The game the, of your life. Uh, it, 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 fun well, basketball game you've ever watched. I mean, Karis LeVert dropped 51. Uh, let's just start there. He he it's outscored the Celtics' whole team in the fourth quarter in overtime. He uh, hit three clutch free throws. And that, I was going to say about the becoming a fan. My definitive became a fan moment last night was when LeVert – uh, got fouled going up for th- going up in the three down three and he had to hit all three free throws to make to <laughs> send it to overtime and I couldn't watch like you know me like you know I get nervous about stuff like this um yeah. I just walked away has that would you say that has definitively moved me into like fandom on the Brooklyn Nets at this point full on I mean you uh, you were cynical you weren't a fan you had set sports down Doug for years a better part of a half a decade here and you're back that's it's a it's a beautiful thing to see, you know. Where do we put? Where do we stand with Levert? Like this is a pretty good matchup for the Nets. Like they played their B team basically, except for Levert. Mm-hmm. Um, going like Chris Chazza got a lot of point guard minutes, and yeah, Dinwiddie got well the very whole t- little run. The, everyone yeah, got to be spooked for that. Too. Yeah, I just like don't know really where to land here. I mean, right now we have Levert in our top Fanduel lineup at six thousand. I I think you can still continue to be pretty aggressive on his minutes just based on last night. Like last night's performance is not weighing into our projections really at all, but I but the minutes are there. But where do you land on some of these Brooklyn guys? Because this is a pretty good matchup here against Memphis. I still feel like the plan is to play the starters. Like they're not gonna play Chris Jazz in like TLC going down the stretch here. Like this this is all a playoff team. Uh, but you the, wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so. I, I'd say so with Levert, uh we've seen both sides of the coin from him recently, right? We've seen when it's clicking, it's really clicking. Yeah. Uh, he is very scoring dependent. But one interesting thing about him and I'm sure you picked this up just watching uh, these games a lot more closely than I am, is that when the shot is falling, he also generates more assists, it seems like, because he just has the ball in his hands more often. And that's a very welcome sign for his DFS value. You know, like the fact that he, we now know he has seven and eight assist games in him uh, for a guy that's really hovered around, you know, sub four assist total for a long time, that, that starts to raise the floor quite considerably. But on the flip side, in those games where the shot's not falling, the bottom can absolutely drop out on you. I mean, two of his last three games, he scored 25 or fewer fantasy points, which, you know, kind of kills your lineup automatically uh, if he happens to be in it. But in two of his last four, he scored more than 60 fantasy points. Right. So that makes you win big tournaments automatically. So, yeah, it's a it's a feast or famine situation. I would suspect that we're still sort of in feast mode, right? I think the price is still very affordable. And, you know, you always want to be cautious about just taking raw averages. But certainly the recent usage... And the way he's being entrusted with the offense from time to time, like to your point about Dinwiddie just being left on the bench while he's left to do his thing, uh, it's, it's a pretty welcome sign. I, I suspect you'll see high ownership on him tonight. 
And it looks like it's for good reason. Uh, he's essentially the backup point guard because that's what they they stagger the rotations right. and that's where the assist numbers come from. So um, yeah, I, I don't have I, I still could I still be fine like playing like with Dinwiddie's minutes at like a normal rotation. I think that is like I said I think that is the plan for those starters. Uh, but I would get why you'd be a little bit spooked. And like I said, this is still a good matchup here against a Memphis team that isn't exactly like you know stalwarts on defense uh, right now. Memphis mm -hmm. is uh, I just had it in front of me. Oh, oh yeah, they're, they're middle of the pack and they run a pretty fast pace a one hundred five. 108 defensive efficiency. Now the Grizzly guys really underowned. I was pretty, really surprised that really underowned against the Hawks there night, and they actually just tanked the Hawks by beating them by 40, and just did, they, all these guys lost minutes in a blowout. But that really hadn't been the case. John Moran had played 34 to 35 minutes. Jonas Valanciunas had played 31 minutes at time or 30 minutes at times. And I'm mentioning this because the Nets still represent something of an okay matchup here from a DFS perspective. And I do think that the real plan for Memphis is to play these guys like real starters minutes, especially considering like they're still in the playoffs and they have had some injuries. You know, right now we're showing guys like John Morant as a point guard play in our system. Jonas Valanciunas at 7,100 on FanDuel. Uh, would you feel comfortable here knowing that maybe the minutes got lost last game because of the blowout? Yeah, I, oh, I, I will and I won't. I guess I'll put it that way, especially with a guy like Valanciunas because sometimes he plays 30 minutes and you know, is the guy of your wildest fantasies. You know, he's back-to-back -back games against L.A. and Sacramento where he had averaged 22 rebounds. You know, that, that's that's a lot of rebounds on a $7,000 price tag. So we know it's in there somewhere. Um, and I think the floor is actually pretty reasonable just on the basis of the rebounding alone. But we also know that sometimes Memphis says, hey, buddy, you can't stay on the court against this team. Now, is that especially likely to happen against the Nets who, you know, between Allen and Jordan do offer some size and, you know, especially potentially some places to hide him defensively. Uh, I think it's in play. I, I do think you're inviting some amount of risk in your life uh, by putting him out there. I think Morant's opportunity is quite a bit safer. I'd be more comfortable with him. The price has come up, but so has, you know, like with rookies, we do see this sometimes where both the opportunity and the play can increase as the season goes along. I don't think it's, I think it's far from a slam dunk play. Like sure, he's got two really good games in his last three, but there were a sea of like pretty terrible games leading up to that. Granted, many of those were bad matchups, you know, going up against LA, both LA teams, and and so on. But um, but yeah. So I'd say I'd rather not do Valanciunas. I could do Morant. I can't say that either excites me, even though I see uh, both of those guys right now showing up in our Fanduel. Uh -huh. I'm kind of all in on Valanciunas. I, like you're he, all in. Yeah, okay. I think so. I, I I do think the plan is to play him. I don't think he gets played off the court here. He dropped. He still went 15 and okay. 15 in 25 minutes. He just his only issue is the minutes. And they have shown that they think that they want to play him minutes. Like he was, if they don't win that game by 40, he was on pace to play 30 minutes again easily. He was at 25 in a game that he got run off, like didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. So I, like this is, yeah, I think Morant, I'm a little, I'm not as bullish on, I think, but. Yeah, the price has come up on him, man. Like we just played him for 5,700 last week, and now I got to pay 6,700. That's. Gives me pause. Yeah, I get you. Um, I do. I, I think thirty minutes. If you project thirty minutes at Valanciunas, though, which I think is reasonable, um, I think the seventy-one hundred dollars price for a weird center position is. Not, I'm not. I'm not spooked by that even a little bit. I don't think this. It's not like this okay. a really deep position. Although we're gonna get to a couple more guys here as we go down. All right, Orlando. Actually, one of these guys is in this next game. Orlando goes in and plays Miami. Miami eight-point home favorites. The injury news is really only around Aaron Gordon at this point. Um, Miami's pretty much running this team. They've been running no Tyler Hero but the rest of these guys have been um, it's, they've had the pretty similar rotations over the last couple weeks Aaron Gordon did sit last game Vooch was chalk he was really good he was really well, a lot thankfully a lot better in the first half than the second half he kind of did slow down a little bit we didn't have him we had Javon Chunas actually in this <laughs> instead of Vooch um, 
you know, where would you put him if Gordon sits again? The usage definitely comes, everything comes up for him, but this is not the matchup he had Portland last game. This is not mm -hmm. that matchup. Miami is a much worse matchup. You know, where would you, let's say Gordon sat again, you know, compared to Valanciunas here, Vooch is 1,200 more on FanDuel. You know, would you feel much more comfortable about his opportunity in the situation? Worst matchup, but maybe we can be more set on his minutes. I guess there's some blowout risk. You know, I, I guess I'll just kind of compare them one-to-one -one here, even though the price is a little different. What are your thoughts here on Vooch? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be very comfortable playing him, I'm pretty sure. And, I mean, when it comes to just raw safety, there's just really no comparison between him and Valanciunas, right? I mean, Vooch, we know the plan is for him to play 34, 35-minute rotations with 37 to 40-minute upside depending on the game script. Um, he hasn't played fewer than 30 minutes since January 26th against the Clippers, so you just know that he'll be out there. And his raw season averages, he's averaging better than 5x points per dollar on this price. So you take that baseline, and then you bring in the fact, the additional context of Gordon being out, and I think you have a really just a rock-solid center play. Now, does he have the same points-per-minute upside that Valanciunas does? Probably not, um, which is reasonable, right? Because... JB's minutes go from 24 to 32, so right. uh, given that that's a 33% increase, you'd expect some variability around the overall points per minute production. But I do think the floor you're getting here is very, very significant. Uh, for what it's worth, the last time they scored off against Miami, he scored 43 fantasy points, uh, which is you know just in line with what you'd hope for on this price point. You know, it's not the type of thing that wins you big tournaments in the way that Valanciunas can, but it is a, a good number that won't kill you. So I would be. My, my early gut feeling is that I'd prefer to play him over Valanciunas. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Well, hopefully, it's just, we've gone through a lot of games here. Luckily, almost every game is concentrated into the 7 to 8 o'clock hour. Like, we're still just in the 7.30 games right now. So, from an injury yeah. standpoint, most information on this slate will be known. And this game, I, I would include that. And like I said, on Miami side, this is a slow matchup against the Magic. I'm not really sure uh, I'm interested in much there. 8 o'clock game, the only 8 o'clock game, Chicago goes in and plays Minnesota. Minnesota is coming on the back-to-back. -back. They, the, they beat the Pelicans on the road last night uh, in a mm -hmm. game where it was a one th – not, this game did not go to overtime, and the final score was 139 to 134. So nice job on defense, everybody, in this one. <laughs> they, um, Your boy Nas Reed, buddy. He was I was going to start with Nas Reed, 27 <laughs> minutes, 13 and 14, uh, with a, a few blocks, a bunch of steals. You know, right now we have the Cleveland guys kind of in there because I don't think we have this Tristan Thompson news. But where do you put Reed? You only played 27 minutes, though. It's a back-to-back. -back. Like, these minutes yeah. haven't been – the minutes have not been crazy for him. He has not played more than 27 minutes in the last, I don't know, week, two weeks or something He like basically that. had that one game against Boston that really got you and I excited in particular because we, if we were like, hey, man, this is a 32-minute rotation guy, it looks more like he's a 26 to 27-minute yeah. rotation guy with downside. Um, <laughs> right. And that's – and just because of the foul trouble, like, for whatever reason, like, he just – can't can't play nice with others can't keep his hands to himself so he he only gets to play for a little while instead of getting to play for a long time and yeah that, I, I think on a on a small slate i would bite the bullet and just play read sort of sight unseen i think on a bigger slate i could do it but you know power forward get, sometimes gets weird and in spite of a 10x performance on this price against the pelicans last night i can't say that i would be you know trying to beat you out the door at a gym and that's reading all my lineups just because you can also score 18 fantasy points too so uh, yeah, so so long story short, could be a good play. Just understand that there's plenty of downside here. I really like D'Angelo Russell in last night's matchup. Only played 31 minutes, uh, which I thought was a little weird because he had played 37 in a blowout the game before. Um, they ended up winning, so it did not matter for them. The Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. I still want to be. I still want to think that the Russell minutes are somewhere in that 35 to 36 range in close games. I, I know it wasn't that way last night. 
Um, from a fantasy perspective, this team is a little weird across the board because their assist numbers just in general are pretty low. Like nobody passes the ball really that much on this team. Like Russell had eight, they scored 139 points last night. And no one had double digit assists. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's not a great sign for, for like how the ball is getting distributed. Like when you put up this many points and you're leading guy has eight assists and then not any no one else on the team has more than five um yeah, that just it just it makes for very weird lines because like so you look at Malik Beasley and you're like okay 36 he dropped 28 he didn't do anything else right like four assists three rebounds you look at uh, the, oh, the rest of these guys you, Russell I said had 23 and eight uh, James Johnson had 19 points on the bench like they're just a weird team from a fantasy perspective even though they can score does that make sense like what I'm saying from the Minnesota mm-hmm. side I, I it feels like they should be. You should have lots of these guys in kind of fantasy viable matchups, but I just don't know what to do. the rest of the team kind of just strikes me as everyone just kind of gets theirs, and we'll just kind of see what comes out in the watch. That makes sense. What I'm saying with Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think the other thing that it winds up doing is depressing total fantasy scoring output because, like, you're we're used to like a normal team if they score that many points there wouldn't be only the points that come from the scoring. There would also be the points right. from the assists <laughs> and, uh, in Minnesota's case. And a lot of these guys are not very strong defensively either. Like, you know, Beasley played 35 minutes last game, just had the flat zero defensive stats, right? So, um, so yeah, this is a team that's almost full of scoring-dependent DFS options, uh, and that's going to make for some up-and-down performances. I think I'd be pretty comfortable with Malik Beasley. I think, you know, the, the price point is still low enough and the scoring upside is high enough. And he draws a pretty favorable matchup here that I could consider playing him. Uh, you know, he has a one tough game against Dallas. But other than that, it's been 5 to five to 8x points per dollar pretty much on lock since he arrived in Minnesota. So I think the FanDuel price on him is still pretty low. Um, and I'd say between him and Naz Reed, that's kind of kind of the sweet spot for me for Minnesota guys here. Uh, on the Chicago side, they're going to be without Zach Levine again. Uh, right now, Laurie Markkinen is questionable. He has not played in a while. So I th- even if he came back, I very much doubt he would get a lot of minutes. Chicago, one of these awful trying to predict teams because last last game they're like, okay, well Levine's out. You're like, nice, that's gonna open up some value. It's like, okay, we'll start Denzel Washington and Shaquille Harrison. You're like, cool. Harrison plays 16 minutes. Denzel Washington plays 21. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. where you start with the starters. And you're like, okay, we'll we'll get a lot of Colby White off the bench, which is true, except the guy was already really kind of playing 30 minutes anyway. And as we've said many times. The, the minute you come off the bench, your minutes are kind of just capped, right? <laughs> like, he played 33 minutes, exactly. but when you just don't play the first five minutes of the game, I don't want to go through the math here, but you just don't – there's no chance you're going to – you just can't – like, it's so hard to hit, like, that 39-minute kind of upside. So I was pretty aggressive on Denzel Valentine last game, and it, thankfully it worked. Like, he was really good fantasy-wise, but it was mostly just because he ran hot for a stretch and shooting, and that was kind of where what got there. I would not feel comfortable doing it again. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of a, but I guess we can move on after this game because I just actually, it's crazy that Zach Levine would sit and there's just not that much DFS value considering yeah. his usage. And that's just a case, a stupid team. Like, why do you start these guys if they're going to play 16 minutes? Like, I just don't, I'll never freaking understand this. Like, I, like I'll just, it, it, it always vex me and teams just, there's some teams that just do it every year. And now Chicago is just another one of these examples. Yeah. Well, so I guess it's probably that you just think you're, players have a pretty flat skill level right? right um so like you know like compared to the wizards or something they're like who's better isak Banga, or troy brown i don't know you know <laughs> like so one guy has to be out there when the game begins if he's looking bad like he just doesn't get to play 32 minutes just because he starts so i actually think it's probably like somewhat rational but mostly what it's a sign of is just terrible team construction because in the nba you really should 
try to get some players that are much better than the other players. Right. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, I think, what it is more than anything else. But, um, yeah, it's it's doesn't doesn't create for a lot of fun for DFS purposes. Yeah, it's a bummer too because Minnesota's a great matchup here. We just mentioned they yeah. just they let sure. they allowed 134 points to the Pelicans last night. This is a good matchup. I just it's just so hard to find where exactly. I mean, Thad Young played a lot of minutes, so I guess you can maybe start to consider him. The prices come up a little bit, but just from an overall perspective, I, I'm just bummed because a guy like Zach Levine sitting should really matter for DFS, and it just ends up not because of the way mm. uh, Chicago attacks the, their starting lineups. Uh, they're actually a great moment there night because like uh, Jim Boylan, their coach. This is not DFS related, but the long joke on him on this season um, is that he just calls these random timeouts. Like they'll call a timeout when they're down like 12 with a minute left, you know, just to like talk to his players. The players absolutely hate it. Um, <laughs> like they just like, like, there's so much histrionics, like eye rolling and stuff about like these hey guys, timeouts. I was just hoping to talk to you guys for a little while. <laughs> Last game, he called a timeout while they were in the middle of Sadoransky backdoor cutting for an easy layup. Like he just gets like, no the, <laughs> and Sadoransky just like, they scored two points, but they got it taken away because Boylan had called a timeout. While they were setting the play up, basically, so I was like, well, "This just might be the pinnacle of his timeoutness because he just took two points That's away from the team so because he just funny. simply can't figure out when to call timeouts." All right, two more games. Nine thirty. New Orleans plays Dallas. This game is probably going to have a lot of DFS value, um, just because New Orleans typically <laughs> allows for that. You want to play guys against New Orleans, as evidenced last night by the Timberwolves dropping uh, an All-Star game level of scoring. Where do we just do we say like on a night where there's going to be cheap value is Luca kind of where it starts and stops at least from a cash game floor perspective right like we can fix every we'll get everything else sort of right around the edges and other guys minutes but when we're, we have really we're this far down and we have not really talked about many big money plays is Luca the big money play here, buddy the risk of getting us an explicit tag Uh-oh. heck yeah oh there heck, you go heck yeah that's right I said it. Heck yeah, buddy. Well, so we get two things on Luca. So the first thing is the price has come down recently. Uh, for whatever reason, he hasn't been quite as explosive, uh, particularly in terms of rebounding in his last couple of games. And we're now looking at just a, a super, super affordable $10,400 price tag on FanDuel. Uh, so you're not even really paying that like Luca premium that you had to pay earlier this season. Um, so there's that. And then like you said, the, the big money options tonight are either not amazing or they're at pretty competitive positions where most of our value comes from. So, uh, you know, you take those two things together and here we are. Uh, Luca also, which I didn't even realize here. Oh, never mind. I take this all back. So you get Luca at 10-4. Do you know how expensive the next most expensive... Oh, no, I, t- I take it back. I was, I was only sorting by point guards, everyone. I was like, what? There's only... It's Lillard at 9,000? This is crazy. Okay, so I, I, I was correct earlier. So either... Um, expensive guys are bad, like they're you know in bad matchups, like Giannis going up against Indy, uh, or they're hurt, or they're just you know no better than look at the same price point. So yeah, there's a really long roundabout way, perhaps my worst five minutes on the podcast in all time, of saying that yes, Luca is a very obvious chalk <laughs> option tonight. Mark it down. Put, put, <laughs> I'm going to keep it all in. Play this one. I'm going to keep it all in because this is yeah. this is not this is not what I'm hoping. <laughs> This is not the foot I'm hoping. I don't want my grandkids to hear this one. <laughs> Let's put it that way. All right. So, no, it's okay. Good it's Lord. okay. It's, uh, if we're, we're getting down to a long slate. We're 35 minutes into this. It's okay to, it's okay to ramble for a second. That's not even that long. As, you, that long. as we search for info. <laughs> no, okay. So, I think Luca, <laughs> Luca is, a, is a lock here. Um, a good time. Chris Stapps has actually been decent with a time. Like, he dropped 43 points against, 43 fantasy points um, in 38 minutes against Miami last time out uh, when he and Luca played together. Mm-hmm. I think he's actually a viable option here, uh, mostly because New Orleans just represents such a good 
just such a good matchup. And like you, you, you went through some of the payup options. We're really, again, we, we have very few payup options here. So if that's the case, I think stacking Luca and Chris Stapps is a way you, I think you'll see some people go um, on these sites tonight just because it, it's not like it's not like Chris Apps is even all that expensive. Oh, 9,400, I guess he's getting a little expensive, but the matchup um, right now, Dallas does have the highest implied total kind of by a lot on this slate. Oh, no, I take that back. Mm-hmm. Portland Portland is slightly higher, but they have, they're, we're, they're problematic, and we'll get to them in a second. Um, so I think from just like a raw upside, a raw floor perspective, stacking uh, Luca and Chris Dapps makes a lot of sense. Now, New Orleans, and by the way, the rest of this team, when Luca and these guys are around, like from a, from just a DFS standpoint, really everyone takes a backseat. So I, guys like Hardaway, I mean, I know Seth Curry's questionable right now, but even guys like Hardaway, they started Courtney Lee randomly last game. I, it's, you really can't go there on the rest of the guys because those two dudes, Luca and Chris Dapps, soak up almost all of the other stats mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for, that anyone could ever kind of hope to get. New Orleans is on the back-to-back. They're not going to rest Zion, they've already said, um, but they have said that they might monitor the minutes a little bit, and so that makes me a little bit concerned. He was a pretty chalky option last night. Um, I don't think that we'll get the same kind of chalkiness around him. He was awesome, um, 33 minutes, 25 points, 8 rebounds, a bunch of steals. Um, but I, I would be a little worried that they manage the minutes here a little bit. Um, that being said, for the rest of these guys, any interest in guys like Ingram and Holiday played 38 minutes, was excellent, did a triple-double last night against Minnesota. Um, Lonzo played 33 minutes, was, was really, really good. Against Dallas here, any interest in any of these other Pelican guys? Yeah, I think, you know, the way I sort of view the Pelicans right now is that you're pretty unlikely to stack them all unless there's some kind of injury. But if you wind up with one, a lot of these guys are, you know, just perfectly reasonable on their current price tags, you know, from Zion, Ingram, Ball are the three major ones that come to mind for me. Um, but any of those guys, like when it breaks right for them, can be excellent. I mean, like, a, what about Lonzo Ball? So Lonzo Ball in his last three games, Doug, 46, 52, and 50 fantasy points, which is an incredible total. But he's done it on the back of 14 defensive stats in that stretch. Yeah. Is that remotely sustainable? I mean, you know, he's always had this reputation as being like kind of this. Uh, Westbrook light sort of guy where he can kind of chip in across a ton of different categories you know he rebounds the ball well he's pretty good on these hustle stats is this even like is he just energized right now is this the new Lonzo or is that just a statistical aberration it's a, he, I mean, he's a really good defender so it's not like that like it's he's always been known as exactly but almost like a defense first point guard in a lot of ways uh, he's and that being said you, it's hard to project uh it's hard to project any any style, I mean, the, you know, playing against Minnesota is gonna from a defense, uh, like a steals perspective, let's say, is much different than playing Dallas, right? Like, uh, yeah, the Lakers, my, my, or I'm sorry, the Cleveland too. You know, like they're they got those young, young exactly. Kids so stuff. I just like I don't think you can bank on it, but I but that, but I've always we've always said this about Lonzo, the fact that he can contribute in so many ways does keep his floor from a DFS perspective really high, right? Because it's yeah. like he's unlikely to bury you because he just is able to contribute so much and. On the games where he puts it all together, he just has tremendous upside at his prices. So I think that I, I like him from the DFS perspective, um, and I'm, but not necessarily because of how he's been doing it specifically recently, but because he does contribute in so many ways. All right, final game. Portland goes in and plays Washington. This game, you know, typically we'd be all over Portland here, but they get Damian Lillard back. And when you get Dame back, he's sat out for a while now, combined with pricing is rising on everybody else because Dame has been out for so long, I don't mm-hmm. think we can play these Portland guys, right? Like I, like, I think that that's kind of the end of the C.J. McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, sort of Trevor Ariza run that we've had, even Whiteside to some degree, um, run that we've had. And 
I mentioned this team actually has the highest implied total of the entire slate, right? So it's like, where do we stand here with mm -hmm. Portland? This is exactly the matchup. You want to play guys in DFS, and we just get this one timing issue with their number one usage guy just happens to come back and probably is not going to go just step in and play 38 minutes, right? So, like, I, like yeah, what do you what, I think what that's do basically Portland? what I was going to say is that Lillard being probable for tonight's game and having basically an entirely unknown impact on how the rest of these dominoes are going to fall probably just rules them all out. Because what we know, I mean, we remember what Lillard was doing before he went down, right? Like, he was you know, doing a rich man's version of what CJ McCollum's been doing recently. So if you figure you slash CJ McCollum's assist by 60%, 50% at the very least, right. I mean, McCollum has been getting 10, 8 to 12 assists a game. He was doing four before Lillard went down, right? So uh, you simply cannot pay 9000 for this guy. He was a $7,000 player and a kind of a fringe DFS option at that price before Lillard went down. So you take McCollum off the table entirely, and then these ancillary pieces i think stand to be hurt even more you know like Melo and ariza like those guys uh most of their price inflation was strictly due to lillard being out and they weren't even that good on the prices when lillard was out so i i don't see a path to playing a lot of portland guys tonight and i'm grateful for that by the way because i think if this were uh say a six game slate you'd really want to look at this and try to figure out how to get some action from the team with the highest total but i think that we have so many good options elsewhere that we can just kind of take a breather on that and and kind of wait and see. And if Lillard comes back and plays 36 minutes, we can adjust accordingly. And if he only plays 27 minutes, uh, we can adjust accordingly too. But I'm pretty confident that our decisions around Portland, you know, maybe not playing Portland guys, won't kill us tonight. What about Beal going the other way? Expensive, but yeah, 30, like 38 plus minutes in three, no, excuse me, 38 plus minutes in four of the last five games. One of those was an overtime game. But um, he's dropped 35, 34, 42, 30, and 55 in the last five. Um, and 53 mm -hmm. if you go back to the last six because he played 39 and dropped 53 against Chicago. So he's he's just he's just been an absolute scoring machine. The assists have been there too, 8, 8, 10, 5 over the last yeah. four. Is he just like with a, on a night where we, you know, with these Boston guys, maybe some Cleveland dudes, like possibly looking at some really cheap value among uh, the other positions, could we see a situation where maybe just stacking like Luca and Beal is the way to go from just like getting your money in really safely? Yeah, I think that's a absolutely plausible strategy tonight. You know, again, as I was looking through those big money plays, once I finally got my wits about me and stopped having like a Joe Biden moment out here, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Beal was the other guy that jumped off the page to me as the guy that I could really consider because the, the reality is if you're going to be able to play guys that are less than $4,000, you're just going to need probably two big big money payoffs to go alongside them. And if Luca is the very obvious option, the other ones that are sitting here are just not looking that incredible. You know, it's a bunch of guys that are just straight up hurt. And I won't, I won't do the same thing I did last time and start listing them all terribly. But, uh, yes, Beal, I think, is a really good option alongside Dodge. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com slash deals. DFSR. Now I'm doing it. I'm screwing. I'm just going all over the place with this read. DFSR.com slash it seeped through the microphone into my brain. I call off a rails here. It's something I've done every three days a week, every every week. Keep going. Keep going. DFSR.com slash deals. Now that I've installed everyone with a lot of confidence, it will get you a free seven-day trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optum Lamps, FanDuel, DraftKings, NBA, NHL, MLB coming right down the pike. It's all covered under one subscription package, so go check it out. DFSR.com slash deals. 
go check it out. I think you'll be really excited about the service. Go and jump in our chat room, ask the chatters what they like about the service. They'll be honest with you. And I say that with confidence because I know that they'll be honest and that honesty will come through with you being a member. So dfsr.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy your Wednesday in the association. Peace.